you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? Hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 130 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com slash Sheck. S-H-E-K. This is our first official podcast I mean, I guess we had just wrapped up the football season, so we were beyond the 2012 football season earlier this week with episode number 129. I encourage you, nay, demand that you go back and listen to that one. But this is our first one as we push forward now into the calendar year 2013, getting ready for combine, draft, and beyond. And also, we have to turn the page. This is a a 52-week-a-year podcast. We don't shut things down just because football season ended, but it does mean we have to delve into – other sports, and in the game called life. Let's do it right now with my main man from NFL.com. His new pick six, his bold predictions for 2013 is up there at NFL.com for you. It's Adam Rank. What's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me, and sure, thanks for sure. the plug for the pick six bold uh, predictions. Well, I don't want to split. I don't want to make trouble right out of the gate. I read it, mm-hmm. and I think just like Michael Fabiano, our colleague on the uh, on the fantasy show, we're asked sometimes, hey, come up with bold predictions, and Fabiana will say, Tom Brady will have a better Sunday than Mark Sanchez, and then we have to we have to bash him and say, well, that's not exactly bold. A okay. couple of years weren't exactly bold. Okay, fair point. True? No, that's fair. Do you feel that way? Uh, could be. I just feel, uh, I wish I knew what exactly we were talking about. I gotta look them up. And, it. The, I, yeah, I don't want to ruin, I, I don't want to hash through all six of them. I understand. Uh, Reggie Bush to the Bengals. I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, you're basically floating things that might happen, and I enjoyed reading those. And I think that, you know, you had Greg Jennings 
and Wes Welker going to Miami, which I like that one. But here's here's what I want to say. I'm going to start right out of the gate here, and then uh, we'll we'll yap uh, with uh, Black Tie, the returning Black Tie. He's probably here for about a half day, and then he's going <laughs> on another vacation. So um, before we do that, oh, also Brendan Ayan Bandejo, member of the World Champion Baltimore Ravens, and a, uh, a friend uh, here on the uh, on the show. We like yapping with him. And then also, speaking of friends, Daniel Jeremiah, a.k.a. Move, at Move the Sticks on Twitter. He's uh, our personnel chum, and uh, he's getting ready for the combine. All right. I Here's what I say. Worst to first, it happens well, how many years? Six years in a row? Seven years in a row? Something like that. Mm-hmm. So if we assume that that trend will continue next season, let's get it out there right now. Rank, who is the team that's going to do that? Because I have, I have my answer uh, uh, triggered up and ready to go here. Kansas City Chiefs. All right, that's I'm a not, good one. I'm I not like backing that. Off the, but they, they've had so many they had so many pro bowlers this year, which shows me that they have talent. Andy Reid, to me, is the this generation's version of Marty Schottenheimer. And what I mean by that is he's a coach that could come in and take over a team and instantly make them competitive. Will he be able to get them to a championship? I'm not sure. But Andy Reid is going to make them a lot better. They're going to be very competitive. And completely the, agree with that. I be, think there's going to be a – I think they're – you know, I don't know if they're going to – uh, go up ahead of uh, of Denver in a year, but I do agree with you that uh, that that ten and six. As much as everybody is t- Philadelphia, and it's a re- it's remarkable as as successful as the Andy Reid era was. They it's hard to find anybody, fan, player, anyone within the organization or outside of it who's an Eagles fan or uh, or wonk. Everybody says, yeah, it's good. Andy Reid's gone. <laughs> it, it was time to turn the page. And now that they have Chip Kelly, it is compelling stuff. But I think he's going to go down there, and at least in the short term, in the first, let's say, three years of his uh, of his tenure there, I bet you they're going to suddenly uh, going to boon now. With a, with a, it's going to be a boon there. Here's my answer: You're very close with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the team closest to them. It's the St. Louis Rams. I'm sorry to say it to you, Rank, because I know you want uh, your Rams back here in L.A. I do, too, for that matter. I want a team in L.A. But you're LA. talking worst to first. They were in third this year. I know. How fat? Oh, they're not the last place team. You're so right. Dang. All right. But that's okay. Still talk about them, Dave, because you've been on the them Rams, for a couple of years. I've been, no, for at the start of this year. I, I called no, it right were... two years ago that they were not going to be good. Exactly. And that, even though everybody else thought they were. Mm-hmm. Then this year I said, oh, they, well, you watch, they're going to turn it around. I, th- it's a bold prediction because the Niners and Seahawks are in that division, but the Rams are going to take a run at it. And when you mentioned Greg Jennings and Wes Welker, that's what that Rams team needs. They need... I mean, you know, they still have Amendola. They've got some nice pass catchers there. But if you get one more guy there, if you get a guy like Greg Jennings, let's say, to move down there and play in that dome, I think that's mm-hmm. what that they're they're ready to go on defense. They're building things up. The line rounding into shape. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Steven Jackson is the other big question. But in year three for Sam Bradford, am I right? Year three, he's gone through two seasons or three already. That can't be four years. This is in his fourth year already. Is it coming up? He's done three years already. He's done he? three years. That's right, because he's hurt for year two. I'm sorry. Yes. So year three. So year four, it's time for him to you know start to move into the front end of his prime and start to take off. Let's remember, he has been, it's been one of the quietest runs. All we hear about now are the running QBs and everything else. But not very long ago, Sam Bradford was the first overall pick mm-hmm. in the NFL. People were over the moon about him. In fact, I'm writing that one down to ask Daniel Jeremiah. What about uh, what about 
the what, what do we need to see out of Sam Bradford at this point? Is Less he, interceptions. Are we ready to close the book on him? Is he going to be a champion? Because, like I say, he's been kind of somebody who is is a tweener. We talk about Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco for the last many years. Can they ever get over the hump? Now we're we've already moved on to Cam Newton and all the rookie guys in there somewhere. Where's Sam Bradford rank? And all what's right. interesting to note there, if the St. Louis FC had held on to their pick last year. Taking RG3, they could have dealt Sam Bradford somewhere else. Huh. Yeah, that's right. You have mentioned that one before. All right, we're going to get Ayam Bendejo, our pal, in just a second here quickly. Hello, Black Tie. What's the poop? What's up, guys? How's, how's it going? Sorry, I didn't mean to catch you by surprise. We're, at, we're, we're recording right now, and I, I know that this is the time you catch up on your Facebooking. So. No, I don't really Facebook, and no one calls it Facebooking, by the way. Oh, they don't? I didn't oh, know don't. that. I'm sorry. No. What do they call it, Mr. Um, Hip? I don't know. I don't Facebook. I'm on Twitter mostly. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Anyway, I'm just trying to get Brandon on the call on the phone here, here with our talent booker, Stacy Garcia. When uh, we're trying to get Brandon on, and you guys can talk. Oh, him. what a time we had with Stacy in New Orleans. She just brought him fast and furious over three days. Look it up, NFL.com live. Three hours of broadcasting. Me, Rank, Matt Money Smith, Jamie Maggio out there on Media Row. I say, because we didn't, it's not like all we did was spend our time talking about who's going to win between the Ravens and Niners. We got in, again, like I say, to the game called life. We asked important (laughs) questions like, when was the last time you threw up? (laughs) And true or false? By the way, Black Tie, true or false? False. No, that's incorrect. I'm sorry. It was true. Last week, false was the correct answer, but it's not anymore. So that was a a good guess, though. You know, do you remember No Country for Old Men? There is a scene in that movie where the Coen brothers... I, I feel like it was not random that they did it this way. The the serial killer goes in and he talks to an old man. He says, call heads or tails, and whichever way it comes up, he's going to, you know, basically we find out if he guesses wrong, whoever he's playing heads and tails with, if they guess wrong, he kills them. Otherwise, he lets them go. That old man in that scene says heads, mm-hmm. and he lives, you see. Right. I feel like it's not random. I bet you the Cohen brothers had a conversation. Get them on the show, Black Tie, because I want to know what the answer is to this. The Cohen brothers, of course, who made Fargo and a million other great pictures. Um, Should I get Stacy on that? Yeah, please. She was able to get everyone else out there, every celebrity, every athlete. Only person I didn't see was Dita Brown. Oh, Black Tie, back on the board. Good for you, fella. Good for you. Yeah, where was Dieter Brock? So he flips the coin. I feel, like, there, yeah. I feel like the Coen brothers, this was a design thing that it speaks to if you're optimistic, if you're a glass half full person, life is a little bit better for you. That's what the heads call is. Mm, Do you I, see? I, and I don't disagree with Tails your- makes you a cynic, like things are going to come in upside down. I don't disagree with your assessment, but what I do think, if we talk to the Cohen brothers, you're like, yeah, we were just hanging around one night after we enabled, and uh, we just, you know, thought about this cool scene, and it meant nothing. Hmm, maybe that would be the answer. All right, well, I guess we won't know until we talk to the Cohen brothers. Um, yeah, so Stacy Garcia, do it for her, because she hustled all last week. She got us Drew Brees, Cam Newton. Boy, he might be in the running for most handsome QB. He might be the most handsome man in the NFL right now. Who's that? Cam Newton. Oh, yeah. He's right up there. Oh, Stacy Garcia is giving a thumbs up on that one. Stacy, yes or no? Better than Tom Brady? Way better. Way how could up, you yes. say way better? Tom Brady's a model. How could you how could you do better if he's a model? All right. Well, we can't hear you on the microphone, but if you want to come in and put a mic on. But, oh, she's hustling to get uh, Brent, Brendan on the phone. 
for us. So I wonder if he how much he slept. I guess that's a question for us. I'd be yeah. I'd be tripping the light fantastic if I were uh, him. You know, I'd call it a night early, like around midnight. Before we get him, though, you know what we have to play real quick here is black tie. The big uh, the big little audio clip that his uh, that his, or NFL films I guess caught him on video in the waning moments of the game. You've probably heard this now a number of times, but it's all over the internet right now. Joe Flacco after there, but you know the Niners have uh, have run out of plays and they're winding down the clock. They have to punt the ball. To uh, I'm sorry. After the um, the the uh, safety is taken, they have to they have to free kick the ball down the field to the Niners with four seconds left. And here's what Joe Flacco is talking about on the sidelines to his teammates. If he starts to break it, go tackle him. Really? I don't know. I mean, what else? What can they? I don't know. I mean, they might be able to give him a touchdown I'm on that, but I don't know. Hey, if he breaks it, if he busts this for some reason, tackle him. Go tackle him. I don't know what the rule is on that, but I can't shoot. I will. I'm going to. I love it. I think it's very funny. And do you remember I, I, there was a like back in the 40s, I think, in a bowl game, yeah. some guy ran out on the field and did that. And then Bill Cower back in like, I'm guessing, 93, 95-ish oh, era. It was about 90. It was the uh, 96 season or 97. It was against Jacksonville. Monday I night remember game. that when those two teams were in the same division, the Steelers and Jags. And on the last play, the kick got blocked. The field goal, a oh, game-winning yeah. or game-tying kick by the Steelers got blocked. The Jag picked it up and was running down the sideline. And Cower faked like he was about he to He thought go. about it. <laughs> that would have been... That would have been fantastic. And then, wait, what? The, the Jets guy did that too. The strength coach or the, training uh, yeah. coach guy, he right? Stuck his knee up. <laughs> Could you? I, I, if the Super Bowl, what if the Super Bowl ended on that? Think how hysterical. Think what then? That would have been the all-time, not NFL. That would have been the all-time ending. I've said it. I, you know. Remember when Bettis, when Jerome Bettis in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. the Steelers are on the cusp of putting that game away, that divisional round game away against the, I think, 13-3 and uh, Colts, the prohibitive favorite to get to the Super Bowl that year. They're about to put it away, and Bettis fumbles it on the one. It gets scooped up, and Nick Harper almost runs it for a touchdown, but Roethlisberger makes a crazy play and trips him up at midfield. Can you – I mean, I said then that would have been the most heartbreaking end to a career ever. If if I mean that one, I'm mean, there. You wouldn't beat that one. You go out like that. That's the play you go. Would have out been on. one of the greatest endings of a career ever. Well, I say worst, but all right. Well, and, I mean, and by but, the way, a lot of feedback. And go to NFL.com and weigh in on this. I contend that Jerome Bettis belongs in the Hall of Fame and should be in by now. Rank says no. And a lot of people are weighing in back and forth on Twitter and on NFL.com. Track that one down. Just uh, I think if you look up the name. Uh, Bettis or uh, Damashek, you'll you'll find it either way. Um, the little list that I put together, the top 25 or so running backs of the last 50 years and where Bettis ranks in there. But anyway, what if the Super Bowl had ended with a, a Raven, Flacco, or anybody else running out onto the field? And to answer Joe Flacco, I, I don't know if that's a penalty. It is a penalty. They would have given him a touchdown if the Raven runs out. Of the, if, if Ted Ginn is running down the field for a touchdown and a Raven comes out there and trips him up, it's a touchdown. That's how the game would have ended. I don't think that should be. I don't think he should be allowed to get the touchdown. Why not? What do you mean he shouldn't be allowed to get it? If he's in the clear running for a touchdown, you should be able to throw a boot at him. And, and the, so if that's not a penalty, then why wouldn't it everybody would do that all the time? Well, the 49ers would get the ball at the spot of the foul plus Are 15. You? Yards Are and you then they run a play. Are you? That's the rule. Did the Giants? That is not the rule. That, the Giants did that this year. They had too many men on the field. They ran a play, and then they said, "Oh, they said, what about the time that ran off?" And they're like, "Yeah, too bad." 
No, 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 no. Remember that's that? inaccurate. That's I, I, that I, happened this year. That's there a different a circumstance than a guy running out onto the field to tackle a guy who's in the clear. You know, that would be it would be a touchdown. And like I say, I wish it would have happened because it would have been the funniest ending to a, to a sporting event in history. Forget about Bobby Thompson's home run or Kirk Gibson's home run or or Santonio Holmes or catching a touchdown, whatever. I don't know what what other – I'm trying to think. Brett Hall's goal to win the Stanley Cup. All of them. Forget it all. Would that guy – would the Raven be – would he be a hero in Baltimore or what would happen? Well, listen, Joe Flacco would be the culprit, wouldn't he? He's the one saying to do it. I love it. I like the competitive uh, thought of <laughs> tackle this guy, diabolical though it may be. I support it. I did tell you, hey. If you're not cheating, you're not trying with uh, all the the dirtiest player in the game, all the cliches you could run out there. Yes, keep going. Um, what if you did the Mr. Fuji and you threw, like, salt in his eyes when he was running by? Well, see, that one would be maybe a more of a gray area because if you're tackling, you run out on the field to tackle him, well, then the referee's hands are tied. They ha- Well, they have to throw the flag with one of those tied hands, but so it would be a touchdown. But if you start throwing, yes, the salt. Salt in the eye. Yeah, foreign, if, foreign objects and stuff. I you should have a that. cane. You do that. I think you should be on the sideline with a cane uh, yeah. just in case you need it. Yeah, maybe there could be one of those things where they they, they have a trip wire on there the field on the, other, on the other side of the field. They straighten it up at just the right time. And then they lower it. Nobody, Nobody's the wiser. He's thinking. I do, I do appreciate Joe Flacco at least thinking. I still have not confirmed whether or not when the referees go under the hood, if those TVs are HD, and if you – bet that they aren't, then they're not going to see that little trip wire out no. on the field. Clever. All right. Well, what do we think, Black Tie? What are we doing now? We're gonna, we gonna. You want to do some blacklist? You want to talk to Brendan? What's the score? We're uh, waiting on Brendan right now. Hopefully All right. Let's do a little blacklisting then. All right, guys. It's NFL's. the return of the blacklist, too, by the way, because because uh, Black Tie's back from Hawaii. He was in Hawaii for he the Pro working. Bowl. I, I was working. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, I'm sure it was even treacherous ha- work. Even I have to give Black Tie a break on that one. He how many was hour, working. How many hours a day in Hawaii? Oh did you man, work? it was about nine nine to ten straight hours. Ah, doing what? What was going on in Hawaii that well, required uh, a full day's labor? Pro Bowl practice. Uh, a lot of putting together like wired pieces, a lot of player sound. Arian Foster had him mic'd up. He was awesome. One of the funniest players in the league. Can we go back and check that stuff out? You can at NFL.com. Check it out. It's all the player sound. And uh, Arian Foster was pure comedy for like three minutes at practice, having a ball, having a great time. Peyton Manning was great. Everybody Drew, loves Peyton Manning in oh, quiet, man. in 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 not stressful moments. You know, I, I want to say this. Uh, just uh, sorry to derail what uh, you're talking about, but Peyton Manning, I this is what I realized being around another week of you know another season really of talking with players and coaches in the league. And this is my conclusion, cynical though it may be. I believe that these guys want to win games. I think the fans, grown human beings, going out in face paint, head-to-toe, in the team's colors and everything else, wanted even more than the players do. And we've talked about that on the show. And to these guys on some level, and completely understandably, they're about good health. That's a big thing. And taking Mm -hmm. care of their families. And if they can win, terrific. But they're not as desperate for it. Listen, when they're on a playoff run and in the Super Bowl, believe me, they're desperate to win that game. But I don't think... 
year after year, when you're talking about in July and August and when your team is, you know, somewhere in between really successful and lousy, I think a guy like Peyton Manning, the reason you hear co- coaches always say, I want Peyton Manning. The reason I want well, – Peyton Manning's great. Peyton Manning's great. He's the QB I'd most want in the league. It's because of this. He yells at everybody. He gets after all his teammates. He cares. He's the one doing all the film study. And he's getting after everybody to make sure they know the plays and and understand the playbook in inside and out. And when you hear coach on the field, what they mean by that, it's not to say that he's not going to throw big games away. What they love is he keeps teammates engaged in very much the same way Ray Lewis does. And they and, and coaches appreciate that. And that's why I think that's I, I finally been able to deduce that that's what they're getting at. That it's not that they think it, Peyton Manning is better, more talented or anything else than Aaron Rodgers or a guy like that. It's that he is he is the most ultimately engaged guy on any team. And that's what they love. True or false? I agree with that. All right. OK, so we have him there, Black Tie. We got him. All right. Excellent, excellent. Great work, as always, by Stacy Garcia there joining Black Tie Behind the Glass. Here he is. We caught up with him about a month ago after the Indianapolis Colts, the first round game against them Colts. And then I saw him down on the field a media day before the Super Bowl. Now he wears a ring on his fi- finger, although it's figurative until he actually gets the uh, proper ring sometime, I guess, in the autumn. Here he is. It's linebacker of the world champion, Baltimore Ravens, Brendan Ayan Bendejo. What's the poop, fella? What up? What up? What's going on? Well, nothing. Listen, muzzle tub to you is what's going on. You're a Super Bowl champion. How are you sitting with that these days? Man, I tell you, when you win that Super Bowl championship, the world championship, everybody wants to touch you and praise you and kiss you and hug you, and I am exhausted. I had about... 50 kids jump on me when I picked up my daughter today at her elementary school here in South Florida. And, man, everybody from the dang custodian to the to the lady in the kitchen wants to give you hugs and kisses. <laughs> That's you pretty have, cool. Do you have to have the hand sanitizer with you at all times? <laughs> yeah, you do. Because sometimes you just want to give people pound or something, you know. Or if you're eating, they want to shake your hand in the middle of, you know, got a slice of pizza in your hand, they want to shake your hand. So got to give you the pound, buddy. Um, all right, listen, I, there are a lot of places to go, obviously. That was one of the most memorable games in Super Bowl history, probably playoff history, too. Not just because of its greatness, but also some of the weird stuff that happened. Let's talk about well, how the game ends. We just were playing the audio here. I'm sure you're aware that it's out there now. NFL Films gets Joe Flacco on the sidelines before the kick to Ted Ginn to finish the game, saying, hey, somebody run out onto the field and tackle Ted Ginn if he gets away from everybody. Did you hear Flacco saying that? <laughs> No, but he's he's a funny guy like that. He's got a really, really funny sense of humor, so I'm not surprised he threw that out there. Wouldn't that have been the greatest if somebody had done that? Well, I guess it wouldn't have been the greatest because then you would have lost, but it would have been funny. Uh, I like the way that it ended just fine. <laughs> what about – What would you do if you were on the other side of that? If it was your guy, like if somebody was returning a kickoff for you to win the game and some other guy on the other team jumped off the sidelines to tackle him, what would your reaction be? I'd be like, all right, put the points on the board. Game over. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't take those points. How anticlimactic! Weirdest Super Bowl ending ever. <laughs> like, uh, I guess by penalty, the other team wins now. Yay! That's a weird way for this. I mean, we saw it happen in the World Cup. Um, one of the, I think it was, um, who was playing? It was one of the African countries was playing like one of the South American countries, and um, a guy 
kick the ball in from the African team. This is to go to the the final game. So this is the semifinals, and the guy from the Latin country he put his hand out there and had a handball, and then the guy had to kick a penalty shot and he missed the dang penalty shot. Oh yeah, they should have just put the points on the board. You're so right. Yeah, black tie. Yeah, our it, soccer aficionado reminds us it's from Ghana. It was a uh, oh exactly. It was Ghana. Yep. Um, all right, let's talk about the uh, just before all that stuff, before the last play with Ted Ginn. To me, I was stunned that Greg Roman and Colin Kaepernick, who audibles on that uh, fourth down play there, but in general, that philosophically, the way once Haloti Nada goes out for you guys, especially, it seems like Kaepernick and Gore were really having their way on the ground. Were you surprised that they decided to throw the ball as much as they did? And, and also, on the two-point conversion even, are you surprised that – did you anticipate, well, they're going to go to their strength here, which is having Kaepernick try to make a play with the ball in his hands? Yeah, I figure, but, you know, it's funny because when, when it's a two-point conversion, usually a lot of coaches want to blitz, and, and that eliminates the run. So right away you go to the throw, and um, you've seen – with the New England Patriots, that they they do so good when they're inside the red zone because everybody wants to wants to try to do coverage because they're you think of them as a passing team and then they run and they're they get these little chip plays where they run it in they punch it in three yards four yards and even you know sometimes seven yard runs you see they chip them in because uh, everybody's playing pass coverage so once the ball's on the two and a half yard line or inside the five or whatever a lot of a lot of coaches want to blitz. But don't you? Th- but but I mean, from your perspective, though, did you think? I mean, were you guys talking as a defensive unit? They got to be running here. I mean, we, what are we going to do about what Kaepernick and Gore are doing to us right now? They got to presumably run some more here on us, right? Yeah, I mean, we we assumed that they'd run, but you know, we just call blitz defense, and we got we got you know how many guys in the box? We got nine guys in the box. You're not going to be able to run on that. You know, if you have a one receiver out on each side, that puts nine guys on the box, and and, and we're blitzing so. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I don't, I'll, let the, I'll let the coordinators deal with that. I'll just play X's and O's. <laughs> I hear you, but but to me, I I, I want to belabor it. But what if Kaepernick, when you guys you guys are bringing the house, clearly everybody was uh, was going at him there on that fourth down play. What if he's in the shotgun? He identifies that, which he does, and that's why he audibles to the pass. What if instead he drops back into the shotgun, and when you guys come at him, he gets the ball and just runs straight ahead? That's not a play? That's not a viable option for him? I mean, it's possible, but every gap is taken. You have nine guys on the front, so every single gap is taken. You have two guys coming up the outside. You have linebackers in in both A gaps and then D linemen in all the other gaps. So, I mean, percentage-wise, it's not really a good play to call. If if there's nine guys in the box. What about – And you have – to block those nine guys, you only have eight guys to block them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really, percentage-wise, you're not going to really win that. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. But when you look at the replay of that, it didn't seem like there was a lot uh, a room there for Kaepernick to make a play. What then do you think about the the pass? I mean, everybody's talked about whether it should be holding or PI either way. Um, I know, obviously, you like the way it turned out, but from what you saw, is that uh, you know, if that's if that's the second quarter in week three against uh against the Bengals is that PI uh possibly especially um week three we had the uh backup referees you know so <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's an interception but um I think um I think the way they officiated the game they're pretty consistent in the way they did things there was they, they really let us play football for the majority of the game there was plays you know on special teams where I got held and whatnot and there was no flags and you know so I just 
there's plays where Joe got hit out of bounds. There was no flag. So they didn't really want to decide the game themselves. They wanted the game to come down to the players making plays, and, and that's exactly what they did. I do want to reiterate that point, I, the, what, at least for what little my opinion matters, or in fact the zero that it matters. That is the thing with the referees in that game. They called it consistently. There were seven flags throughout the game, so you can't really cry too much about what should have happened when they were letting a lot of stuff go there. Yeah, I think Joe Flacco was on the sideline telling everybody, hold Michael Crabtree. <laughs> <laughs> that was... uh, what if you about... didn't get it on Mike, if you, if, you, if you didn't see it or hear it, then it didn't happen. You can't prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Crabtree on that one anyway. He, he he clearly thought the ball was going somewhere other than where Kaepernick put it. The way he, It looked like he broke off his route and was coming up short of the goal line anyway. But all right, what about the other big thing? Uh, the blackout. What are you guys doing on the sideline? What, what, what was the reaction immediately? And then is the minutes turned into you know a half an hour there? I don't know, man. It was it was you know we had all the momentum in the world, and all of a sudden you're just going to give them every chance to get back into the ball game. So it was it was kind of ironic how that's happened to them before, and they've always come back when it's happened to them. I guess two times before in the past. So for it to happen in the Super Bowl, you know, the last place you want a lull in the action. Um, it happened, and they definitely got back in the ball game. Were you scared when it happened? What did you think when the lights went out? No, nah, because we were up by we we're up by a lot, and I was like, "Oh, you're just delaying destiny, anyways," you know. And then, dang, they scored x amount of points in four minutes, and they're right back in the ball game. So, it when it when it happened, I was like, "Oh, it's fine, whatever. We're, we're going to win the ball game no matter what." But um, it definitely was a lot more intense than I anticipated it being after the blackout. But did you guys get like? Did you say like, "Well, we may as well make uh, le- uh, you know lemonade out of the lemons here. Let's get a hot dog or something." Do you guys say, "Hey, trainer, go get you know go get me uh, a bowl of nachos or something"? <laughs> no, nah, but you know, at the first halftime, you know, the real halftime of the game, they had sandwiches and, and cookies and stuff in the locker room because <laughs> you know energy's energy. But in, in a normal football game, you know, halftime's fifteen minutes. This time, halftime was thirty minutes, and then. You know, five minutes later, we had another 35-minute halftime. I was waiting for Beyonce and, uh, <laughs> and Alicia Keys to come out, but it didn't happen. Can you hear that going on? Do you hear Beyonce when you're in the locker room at halftime? No, nah, you couldn't hear anything. Really? So, are, And does anybody make any jokes at all about, like, man, I'd like to go out there and check out what's going on, or is it all about, listen, this is no time for jive talk. This is time for serious business. No, we did, we did it. Um, during the week while we were, while we were practicing and stuff, we're like, yeah, halftime's going to be really good. So, you know, whatever adjustments you got to make, make them quick because i got somebody to watch. But uh, <laughs> during during the game, no, nah, I mean, they actually had it on TV for a minute and saw a couple, uh, saw a couple minutes. Of Wait a second. You had it on the TV at halftime? Well, the half the, well, you're, you're 30 minutes from glory and you guys are you guys flipped on the tube for a second? Uh, someone had it on the TV. So I, I was walking by a room or something. And I saw it on TV and I was like, dang, they did the, uh, they did the reunion. They had all three of the, uh, <laughs> out there. but I mean, honestly, I saw it for a split second. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but it was something I saw for a second. I checked out, uh, checked them out for a second and then just kept it moving. Um, who, if, uh, Ayam Bendejo had his choice, who would be the halftime show? Um, I was good with, with, uh, with Beyonce. I'm Beyonce's number one. I mean, if, if I have time to eat a sandwich, I have time to watch a little Beyonce and Kelly Rowland and Michelle, whatever her last name is. I mean, why not? I think that's it's officially her name. <laughs> Sometimes they just call her the other one. Yeah. Yes. The, Michelle, the other one. Yeah. Michelle, Kelly, and Beyonce. 
<laughs> um, I, I love the idea that you guys are having sandwiches and cookies like uh, you're watching, on a field trip or something. Watching the <laughs> halftime show. Usually after a game, I'm starving. So this game was definitely the longest game I ever played in. Well, I don't know, maybe the uh, the game up in, in – in, uh, when we played Peyton Manning and those boys up in – when we played the Broncos, that was tough. But this game was – it seemed like the longest game ever with all the half times and everything. But uh, they had a great idea to put some sandwiches in there. Uh, Chipotle, Chipotle chicken sandwich. They should have just had a Quiznos truck show up. That would have been huh. nice. Yeah, well, listen, did you uh, – and by the way, yeah, what was your favorite uh, – did you get out in the, under the streets of New Orleans over the course of the week? Yeah, I cruised through the neighborhoods a little bit. I, I didn't really go on Bourbon Street, but um, I tried to find some of the uh, down-home cooking over there. I had a couple of spots I really enjoyed. Yeah, I heard uh, you caught up with uh, our pal and yours, uh, Akbar Baja Biamilla, at some point during the week over at Mother's. The line was out, do- out the door for that joint. Apparently great sandwiches. How did you find them? Yeah, the place was good, and um, I just I had asked around. I go, where should I go for lunch? And I went, to go to Mother's. And then Akbar, he um, he he intruded on my lunch and ate half my sandwich. <laughs> and started started drinking out of my my uh, my beverage container. He's a little too close, a little too close for comfort. Now you know what it's like being on a TV show with them. That's exactly what we dealt with all year. I mean, that's a big guy to be intruding on your space. It's like I had a lot of space. The place was packed as it was. <laughs> Yeah, he's always wagging his finger at us and everything, oh. telling us how, what the score is on everything. I don't, I don't. Answer me this, uh, Brendan. Why is it not just with the Ravens, but um, why do you feel like it, it seems like we saw it in almost every single playoff game that was played, with the exception of uh, the one that you guys played up in Foxborough? When a team gets up by two or three touchdowns, you can almost guarantee that the other team's going to come back. What's going on in football right now that when a team gets a three-score lead that it's almost like they I, the, 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 is it just this mentality of we can back off a little bit or we are we, we play more conservative because I don't feel like I mean I, you guys were up and Jacoby Jones had returned that kick for a touchdown and Flacco was still throwing the ball there it wasn't like you guys suddenly just took the air out of the ball and gave it to Ray Rice every play what why did our, our teams able to come back what's the frame of mind yeah I mean I just the parity in the league is just it's it's crazy I mean the games have been closer than ever but um, I think the offense coordinators on the other teams, they start getting a little bit more aggressive. And then the defensive coordinators, uh, in turn, they try to back off a little bit and, and allow teams to get chunk plays, but you don't want to allow a team to, to score a bomb or to do something over your head. So some of those blitzes where you put where you put some of the, the coverage guys on islands and whatnot, you don't see them calling those plays. So they, they I think they tend to not call games as aggressively. And then the offensive coordinators are calling games more aggressively and, Lo and behold, there's a turnover here, and all of a sudden there's a 14-point swing, and any team can get back right in the game and makes the game close. But it's great for TV. It's great for, for the fans to watch. It makes the games. I mean, I'm sure the uh, everyone's calling the doctors because everyone's having heart attacks left and right. So. <laughs> it was truly an amazing run for you guys. But now that we start looking into 2013, what are your off-season plans? Man, I actually have to start school on Saturday. I'm doing my MBA at George Washington, so I'm halfway through it, and I'm looking forward to finishing it off um, later on this year. So i got to go to school and, of course, got to stay in shape. Um, so those would be the two things um, that I'll be, you know, mostly consumed with. No, no, no. Don't keep working out. You can tell all your teammates, too. You, What's done is done. You Now you have a ring. Just lighten up and just let somebody else take the division next year. How about <laughs> well, that? I'm a Steeler fan. That wouldn't be the worst thing if that happened. 
I don't think the Steelers believe in that, and I don't think that the uh, New England Patriots believe in that, you know, considering that they've been the two teams in the most Super Bowls um, over the last few years. So, uh, I don't know. I heard uh, Terrell Suggs talking repeat already, so, I, I mean, I hit the gym. I hit the gym. As soon as he said repeat, I went right from the rally right to the gym because it's going to take a lot of hard work. So you are then going to be playing, certainly, in 2013. Oh, I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but just, you know, um, I, I have two years left on my contract, and it's just my lifestyle anyways. I always train. I always keep in shape. So my wife drugged me to the gym the last two days in a row. I was kicking and screaming and fighting, but, man, she won that battle. She got me in there. Um, all right. And uh, the thing that uh, we, we were talking about, uh, whatever it was, like I say, about a month or so ago, you you came on here, and I, I talked with you a little bit about it um, down at, at Media Day. You know, and this while you and I are talking, almost uh, minutes, uh, just minutes before, Chris Culliver is talking to Artie Lang, and and if you heard the interview, Artie Lang isn't trying to bait him or trying to get him into a gotcha, but it's a light. It's a he's clearly joking around, and I feel a little bit bad, as a matter of fact, for Culliver. I don't agree, obviously, with what he said, but I do think that he got kind of got tripped up in with a comedian and got out of his depth a little bit and said some things that he may or may not actually believe. But either way, you have written and spoken about uh, about the subject quite a quite a bit. You know, you you compare the first gay person to go into a professional locker room in the NFL or, or elsewhere with being the Jackie Robinson of the sport. Talk about when you think that's going to happen, because the statistics at least say, I don't know if this is fact, but you would certainly think that the numbers indicate that there already are guys that are gay in NFL locker rooms, right? Yeah, absolutely. And do you I mean, think when's that gonna? So when do you think somebody's going to step up? Because it's obviously based on what you hear from Culliver and everything else. It is obviously going to take a certain amount of courage to make that statement. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, there's two sides to the story. I mean, there's there's players that feel how I feel, and there's organizations that, that support um, inclusiveness in sports, like the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens, and then you know, there's a whole you know culture of people that have always been taught that it was wrong and supposedly um you know you're not supposed to be that way and it's not natural but that's not the case so um you know we're trying to change change the way that everybody thinks and the way that you're taught about you know what reality really is that you know people are born gay and acceptance and letting people be who they are and you know there's this whole group of people that don't think that way so that's why we talk about this issue and we're trying to change the way that everybody thinks and um, I think it's going to happen sooner than later, but there's definitely going to be a support system. There's definitely going to be players like myself, Chris Cooley, Connor Barwin. Um, there's Scott Fujita. There's there's a bunch of guys that, that don't feel the way that Culliver, you know, came off. And and he might hopefully Culliver doesn't necessarily feel that way. Just you know, it, it's that kind of tends to seem like it's the norm to just say those things and let them fly off your mouth so easily. Um, but uh, we're trying to change the way that everybody talks about it and, and just educate people on, on what's really going on and include everybody in sports. So I think it's going to happen sooner than later. All right. Brendan Ayan Bendejo, as I said to your face, I say it again now. I am certainly no Baltimore Ravens fan, but I'm a tremendous fan of yours. You're a good guy to use your time in front of the Super Bowl those two weeks leading up to to, to this issue and, uh, to, and obviously an even greater cause – Trying to make uh, Adam Rank and I seem like we're legitimate uh, football guys. So we appreciate you you spending the time with us. Enjoy the offseason. If you get out here to Southern California, let's uh, make a plan for you to come into Studio 66. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. You listen to Great interview, guys. Quick notes here before I actually get to the blacklist before we had Brandon on. The strength of schedule is out for 2013. And you wouldn't imagine who comes in last on the strength of schedule. Like, who has the weakest strength of schedule? Who has the easiest schedule? Mm -hmm. The easiest schedule. Wait, nobody could figure this out before. All you had to do was look at the records. What do you mean? Of, oh, who you have to play. Yeah, but I'm not looking at it right now. I haven't looked at it. All right, fair point. The easiest schedule, I would think, uh, Patriots Patriots team, because, yeah, yeah, they're they're in that uh, bum division. No, wrong. The easiest schedule is the Denver Broncos. Ah, of course. These two, these two, Brady and Peyton Manning, what is it that they, I get what's well, because they're both in crummy divisions all their careers, but that's, that's what Peyton Manning has always had. When he was in the South, he was, at, you know, sometimes the Titans were pretty good and sometimes once in a while the Jags were good. And the by the time he left there, the, the Texans hadn't even peaked yet. That's what it's about. So how's he up there? Because he's in that now. He's in the bum AFC West. Well, he plays the Chiefs twice, the Chargers twice, the Raiders twice. The Raiders will be bad. The Chargers still have some work to do. And as I said earlier, I think the Chiefs will be better. Those will be the ones who catch him up. But it doesn't matter because once he plays playoff teams, we see what happens. It's true, I guess it's true. But so uh, but congratulations, you'll go fourteen and two, and uh, you'll lose in your first playoff game again. By the way, just real quick to finish up on Ayam Bendejo. I like the fella because it's not easy. You see, in Culliver, like he said, that is probably what goes on. Those guys probably do in locker rooms talk that way. So it's probably an unpopular stance to take to say, what are you talking about? But what stuns me is that Ayan Bendejo may be in the minority among his peers, among those you know 27-year-old guys um, in the locker room. But I can't believe, I, again, it's not right or wrong. I, and, and obviously it's clear what side of the issue I'm on. But if you're a deeply religious guy, whatever, I know some religious, uh, some, some religious people will, will point to, to their, um, you know, to the publications that uh, issue, it's essentially their rule book. And if the rule book says that's wrong, then they will point to that and say, see, it says that in the rule book. It should be noted that they're misquoting their rule book, but. Maybe. All right. I don't want. Yeah. But either way, whatever your opinion is personally on that, it's the 21st century. What are these guys not coached up more about it? Whether it's Randy Moss shooting his mouth off and making it about me in the week of the Super Bowl with I'm the best receiver. But in a more serious issue like Culliver, again, I feel like he got a little tripped up with a guy who's really, you know, who's who's. You know, giving him who's wisecracking with him. This guy feels like, oh, this is a place I should just keep up with the guy. I'm yes, anding him in improv terms, and he really gets himself into trouble. But can you? I can't believe that the NFL or that every organization doesn't say, fellas, there's certain things you just don't talk about. There's certain things I don't care what your opinion is. It is unacceptable for you to publicly state something like that. Who? How little sense do you have to say? It's not about like it's free speech. Yeah, it is, but you're in a larger thing. Thing and and when your employer can can crack down on you for saying things like that. And it should be fair to point out that it's not just the players too, because somebody on one of the big networks got in trouble for making a off color remark about RG three when Linsanity was going nuts last year. People were making inappropriate jokes. It's still an epidemic of people going wild and saying just ridiculous things when they probably shouldn't be. But I mean, you know, listen, you can at least hide behind if you're a comedian, you know, that's it's it is silly to me, you know, having written on a late night show and everything. It's a little murky. You can't really charge me with anything. I'm 
It's a joke. And so I'm just joking around. You can't put that on me. When you're standing there on the, on the sideline, though, or you're standing with microphones in your face and you're a football player, it stuns me that these guys aren't better coached up about uh, PR-related things. It's the 21st century. You cannot say stuff like that, and whether you agree with it or not. So, all right. Now, enough of that jive, and uh, let's talk now to our pal, because I have an important, a few important things to talk with him about from uh from uh, you know him on twitter is uh move the sticks it's daniel wait, wait, jeremiah before we get to him i got this quick blacklist question all right oh, shoot shoot sorry, really fast. go ahead all right i thought you had him on the line go ahead ask in your a question second, we'll have him here in a second but you guys know go! we're more than just the nfl we have the nba you know me as a soccer guy mm-hmm. and so i got you knew that ghana you. answer pretty good yeah real, ghana uruguay nice. it was actually the quarterfinals in the 2010 world cup it was a big uh, all right now i'm bored deal. now i'm bored continue <laughs> anyway so the Lakers, as you guys know, circus all season. Now there's the beef with Kobe and Dwight. Kobe's saying, hey, Dwight's got to play through injury. Dwight's saying, hey, Kobe Bryant, you're not, you're not a doctor. Don't tell me what to do. What do you guys think about this riff about with Kobe and Dwight? Like, you didn't see it coming. Why did you stop doing the hashtag thing? When you ask blacklist questions in the past, you used to say, Lakers, hashtag Lakers rift. Well, Stuff I, like that. I, I liked when I, you did that. I I did that to get it on the map at first and make uh-huh. it its own thing. And now it's its own thing. You don't necessarily need now it Now that the blacklist is so popular, you don't That's need to do exactly it. I see. Right. Even though you're only here for about one-third of uh, all the shows oh, that we do these days. Shucks. All right. So my answer to this is what are, is a question. What are all the people in the Lakers uh, fandom? And, Rank, you're a part of that. What am I missing when everybody sides with Kobe Bryant? I suppose he ha- the answer is he has all those rings, and so there's merit in what he has to say. But am I? Uh, has everybody forgotten Kobe Bryant is not exactly a likable guy? He's not a charismatic guy. He's a troublemaker, has been for the majority of his career. And the idea that, listen, well, I've won titles before I know how to do it. Yeah, you also, you and Shaq Fu, however that parting came to be, it happened, and so the notion, hey, could Dwight Howard's a bad guy? You know, he, you know, he's a he's a franchise killer. Look what he did to Orlando. Yeah, uh, you know what Kobe Bryant is? He's a dynasty killer. At least played a hand in it. Hey, listen, don't shrug at me. That's parting. He and Shaq Fu had a split, and that ended prematurely. Probably they probably would have won another ring or two had they stayed together. So. And, and, and Dwight Howard, before he killed, allegedly killed the Orlando franchise, he also got him to the finals with a bunch of with, with a bunch of uh, spare parts, and really could have even beaten that Lakers team. And the idea that Dwight Howard owes it to the Lakers or or the I don't know whom he owes it to somebody to um, defer to Kobe Bryant. Dwight Howard's not some ham and egger. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the ten best centers of all time, and he's right. When he said, for, he's 26. Is Kobe he? Bryant wants to win a title now because Kobe Bryant ain't going to be in content, ain't going to be in the league in three years. So of course he wants Dwight Howard out on the court, and Dwight Howard is absolutely right. Yeah, I'm 26. If I ruin my shoulder and can never play well again, everybody will turn the page and move on. A- anybody buzzing about Greg Oden right now? Of course not. If Dwight Howard ruins his career because Kobe Bryant says, hey, I play through pain, even though I have no idea what's going on with your shoulder, the severity of it, you need to play because this is what it's all about. I think Kobe is out. Of, I-, I think he's out of line. I am 100% on Team Dwight Howard on this one. Rank, how say you? Weren't you just uh, talking about Peyton Manning not moments ago, talking about like how coaches like him because he's on the field pushing guys, trying to get him to – 
feel better and get you know know the playbook and get everything. And here's Kobe trying to push somebody. And yeah, Dwight got that one team. They were coming out of a not so good Eastern All Conference, right, and he got him there. They were not close to winning that. They beat. Team. They beat LeBron. Yeah. Okay, congratulations, you beat LeBron. That was LeBron had to go and play with. Well, with well right. Wade so that's exactly basically what we're talking about. It was LeBron with bums versus Dwight Howard with and bums. bums. And then when they played a real team, they lost, and there was no there was no drama. We were never in. Con- nobody was concerned that the heat that the Magic were going to come out and beat the Lakers in that series. They but they just, almost did. They didn't almost. This stop, stop with that. They could have been that so, series could have been a lot closer. Yeah, but all right, okay. all like, right, continue. All yeah, right, continue with the larger point. I, it's fine. All right, I don't want to stop down and talk about that. But they, <laughs> they could have. They really could have gone to Orlando at one one. But as Black Tie knows, I'm probably the one Lakers fan who's the most critical of Kobe Bryant. But I've I've got to. I got to take his side on this. The players know what they're going through, what what an injury is like, and everything. And you know, it, D- Dwight Howard's coming into a situation where you're coming here to win a title. And you know what? If you want to come in, if you want to be one of those guys who wants to make money, be in commercials, and do it, go 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 play for the Clippers. That's a perfect organization for that. But if you're interested <laughs> in winning. You come play for the Lakers. And if what you're has not- Dwight Howard done that isn't interested in winning? He's injured. What is he supposed to do? He has a bum shoulder. He can't play with a bum shoulder, period. I mean, that's Kobe Bryant. He's, uh, Dwight Howard is 100% right. Kobe's not a doctor. He certainly doesn't feel what Dwight Howard feels when he raises his arm over his head. Who's he to, to weigh in? I play through injuries. That's typical, arrogant, narcissistic stuff from Kobe Bryant. And, 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 and you talk about arrogant or, or me first. Yeah, I'm about to retire, so you need to play because I, I don't win a title if you ain't playing. That's what that's about. True or false? No? Well, of course you want him on the court. I mean, that's he's trying to motivate him to get on the court. All right. A lot of coaches, a lot of players do that. Um, I uh, Okay, this will be interesting to follow. We'll pick this up next week and see how this melodrama continues to unfold. I am entertained by it one way or the other. But right now, speaking of entertained by, I'm always entertained by the thoughts, the insights. I stood next to him in the press box for Super Bowl 47. Like I say, at Move the Sticks on Twitter, NFL.com. Follow all of his uh, stuff as he's getting ready for the combine and then the draft. It's Daniel Jeremiah, DJ. What's the poop, fella? Well, Dave, I got—I have a little bit of a problem here, man. I'm, I'm uh-uh. at my my little office at home, and uh, my office chair is really on the skids. And to be honest with you, I stole it uh, from my dad's work maybe a year ago. Uh, really brought brought a car down there, hijacked a chair, threw it in the back of my van, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, and took it home. But now it's on the skids. So I'm I'm thinking, you know, we've talked about me coming in studio there. I have a need for an office chair. I'm just wondering if we can get me work out some kind of a deal here. Yeah, let's make a trade. We'll give the uh, we'll give the crummy chair to maybe we'll assign it at the end of each podcast. That whoever mm-hmm. has the worst performance in that podcast has to sit in the crummy chair. Sit in the, the chair. One. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Are we glossing over the fact that Jeremiah just said that he owns a van? Is it? A- <laughs> Mike, I got four kids, man. I got four kids. We got Little League. We got karate. I mean, you I mean, got no other choice but to have the van, man. Is it a panel van? Like, has it got a cool oh, mural on it of a wave? It's a van with, like, the little automatic doors. You've seen the commercials. Come on, man. It's, Give it a plug. What is it? What's the mini van? Is it a, a, we, have a, we have a Toyota Sienna. Oh, that's nice. It's got a mural of Jeremiah on it riding a uh, a winged stallion throwing a touchdown pass for Appalachian State. <laughs> Appalachian for crying out loud. I don't care what it is. No one knows. So, all right. Now, Jeremiah, let's kibitz about this and that. The first question I have for you before we get into uh, some uh, some 2013 football questions is, I'm working on a little piece here about the best 
parts of a quarterback. If we're if we're going to Frankenstein a quarterback here and now among the quarterbacks that uh, are available in 2013, let's just real quick. Let me get your snapshots on this. Best uh, best legs. Who's the best runner? The best legs among any quarterback. RG three. RG three. I'm surprised by that choice. I think, well, I think he's more elusive than Kaepernick. And what about uh, Cam Newton? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I think RG three has more top speed. I mean, you're talking about an Olympic style athlete. Okay. Uh, best right arm. Best right arm. Oh man! I tell you what, that's a good one. I, I still think you've got Rodgers up there. I think Flacco's probably pretty close in terms of just pure arm strength. Yeah, but he's got that hitch. That's the reason I don't think oh, I can yeah, use no, him. In terms of like the delivery and the velocity, the accuracy, the whole package, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, best brain. Best, yeah, still stay Peyton, right? No. I don't know. I, you know, I, I we were just talking about that. Here's what I've gleaned from my conversations with uh, players in all different places. Teams that are mm-hmm. on, on teams that are successful, teams that are crummy, teams who have you know have apparently bad coaches and everything else. What I think Peyton Manning is is he is the most engaged of any football player. He is the most uh, uh, passionate about it, learning the plays, and he gets after Not only is that guy, but also gets after everybody else if they aren't that way. Coaches like that. That doesn't mean that he's necessarily the best, but I think that's why coaches gravitate to him so much. They like uh, they like knowing that there's a player, at least they have one player, who is as intense as they are about uh, mm-hmm. about knowing the playbook and such. I would say he's probably as involved with the play situation, though, as anybody in terms of knowing what coverages are, where to go with the football. See, when I, when I see Peyton Manning, everybody, obviously we've talked about it, we point out the postseason failures. To me, I don't think it has anything to do with mentally. I, I think it's physical issues. I, I think he's, you know, not one of the 15 most talented throwers in football. I mean, not, I don't even think he's even close to that. But hmm. his, because of his brain, he overcomes that in the regular season where the windows are a little bit bigger. You get in the postseason, those windows get smaller. I think his brain tells him that he can make throws and he can get the ball there, but the windows are tighter in the postseason and he doesn't have the physical tools to get it there, but I don't think that's a brain issue at all with the, you know, some of the interceptions and people talk about the decision-making. I just think he did the physical side of him betrays him a little bit there. To me, the way I look at it, it's almost like there's two kinds of people. You, you can love Gonzaga for going to the Elite Eight every year uh, with what they have, or you can criticize them and say they never win the big one. So it's just however you want to look at it. Wait a minute. That's a that's small that's a that well, hold on. That's a small school in Spokane that is not in a BCS conference. It's okay. not getting go, wait. go to a park. Go to rank. Go to a park. Take the thirty two starting quarterbacks and watch them throw a football and tell me where Peyton ranks. Right now or over his career? This was a celebrated no, no, guy. Right now, over the last over the last you know, over the last three or four years. I I don't think if you watched him throw, I don't think you would say this guy's got this unbelievable physical talent that he's that he's coming up short in the postseason. I, I think he's I think he's more of an overachiever than an underachiever. To be honest with you, it's an interesting perspective. I but I don't think he belongs in the top ten. I mean, but bottom line is to me, he's not in the top ten greatest NFL players of all time. But all right, so let I, I be only because time is limited. I this is something that I'm sure Rank and I'll will uh, kibitz about some more, and we'd love to do it more with you in the. I'll say, uh, and I'll say this, Daniel, you get the chair. Yeah. <laughs> for that conversation. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm on the diet. This thing, I, I swear, I sit down on this thing. It waits for 30 seconds and it like drops a little. It's like going on a free fall ride every time I sit to type on my computer. 
Um, we were talking Super Bowl week, and uh, you had an interesting, um, you know, the 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 uh, um, opposite sort of thought that I had. You know, I've been looking at uh, the way you lay out uh, who receives first round grades and uh, where you have these quarterbacks. To me, I, it doesn't make a difference if they're worthy of a first round pick. When GMs and coaches see the success that not even just RG three and, and and Andrew Luck had, but Ryan Tannehill, and to some degree, I guess a little bit Brandon we and then Russell Wilson and these guys are, I mean, people are just going to, are, are going to go and get the, are going to use first round picks, whether it's advisable or not to get Matt Barkley and to get Geno Smith to get lightning in a bottle. You kind of disagree with that uh, approach. Yeah, I, I do. I just think when there's no, there's no real difference between, I mean, I, I like Geno Smith. I think Geno Smith is a first round pick. Uh, have my mock draft comes out on the site on Friday. You'll see he'll be sky high. Um, he's the one that that I have going up there. Out, outside of him, I think you kind of shake up the rest of them. You're talking about five or six guys. There's really not that much difference. So to me, if you sign up for a quarterback in the first round and you miss, it's a death sentence. You're out of a mm-hmm. job if you're a GM or a head coach. I just don't know if I would want to put my head in the noose for some of these guys that I don't think ability-wise are anywhere near Canny Hill. Uh, you know, that's kind of the one you like to point to. And then Russell Wilson is a unique situation, but. Uh, no, I, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, everybody had first-round grades on him. Whether it, you thought he was somebody that deserved to go in the teens or the 20s, there was pretty much, it was unanimous amongst evaluators he was a first-round pick. I have not heard anything near that on the rest of these quarterbacks outside of Geno Smith. Interesting. Yeah, I love the point that you make, though, that to me, I would say, you know, what we got to roll the dice because we need a quarterback here. Maybe this guy isn't worthy of it, but we need we have the need. So we're going to do it. But like you say, you do that. And two years later, as the head coach, you're probably out of the gig. Yeah. And, and you could come back and take a guy in the second round who's really no different. So your chances of hitting on the guy are the same if you would have taken him in the first, but you got much less risk. So that, that's what makes sense to me. Let me throw out a scenario for you then. Kansas City is it, Chiefs. Is it scenario or scenario? I never knew that, by the way. Well, if you listen to the Dorama Rama song, All Alone in a Bottle. Wait, that's how the song starts. This is my scenario. Well, anyways, I'm getting <laughs> off track. Kansas City Chiefs, number one spot now. I don't want to spoil. I guess your mock drafts keep changing. But I'll say my, my theory here, they go with uh, Luke Jokel out of Texas mm-hmm. A&M. By the way, Texas A&M is going to have all these. They're going to have the two guys in the top five, top ten at least. They had the Heisman Trophy winner, and they weren't playing for the national championship. That's a disgrace. But in any event, so the Chiefs go with the tackle right there. Matt Castle has a party on Thursday night. He thinks everything's good. But then on Friday, they get E.J. Manuel. What do you say? Uh, I think it's very possible. They did a lot of homework at the senior ball on those quarterbacks. I know Andy Reid himself. Um, I can't tell you which one because I'll get in trouble. But uh, I know for a fact Andy Reid met with at least one quarterback that was at the Senior Bowl and watched a lot of tape with him. So Okay, well, uh, I don't want you to have to say it, but does his name rhyme with E.J. Manuel? <laughs> I can't do that, Rank. I'm just saying they could be in the market for a quarterback in that second-round area. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Although, the other thing is, the interesting thing for me, I really believe, and you'll have to look at the mock draft to see which way I went, but I really believe that the first overall pick is going to be one of three people as we stand right now. I think it's going to be Luke Jokel. I think it could be there's a chance it could be Geno Smith if they mm-hmm. if they feel comfortable with him and want to do it. And the third guy that nobody you've never seen up at the top, but don't sleep on him, it's possible, Sharif Floyd 
from, from the University of Florida. He, those are the three guys. I, I think it'll be one of those three guys. Hmm. Floyd. Sharif when, Floyd, defensive lineman. He's, he is he is Tommy, he is a really good player. He is athletic. He can play in either the three four, the four three. This Chiefs team has uh, you know, they've got some issues up front. They need they need another guy up there. They only have they have a bunch of nose type guys. They don't have a talented three four end. They have Tyson Jackson on one side, he's okay. They they could use a dominant guy and this guy fits that mold. But he initially though, you you probably had to have him way late in the in the first round. And now he's going to be rising that quickly. I had Sharif Floyd. I think I had him in the in the mid mid fifteen to twenty. I think in the first one. Mm-hmm. I hadn't watched him at that point in time. A lot of the thing is with the juniors. You know, you kind of see when they declare, so you're late to the party on getting the tape. So I heard you heard this kid's pretty good. So I put him like fifteen to twenty. Well, then I watched the tape and went, "Whoa, this kid's really really good." And then I've talked to three or four scouting directors and a couple of general managers that have gotten their eyes on him, and he's not a secret anymore. Um, all right, DJ, just because, uh, again, time is uh, is short, and I, I do want to take the opportunity to say muzzle tough to you because I know you had a hand in getting at least some of these Ravens in there, and they're now going to have rings on their fingers. Who specifically are you at least connected to, if not solely responsible for them uh, wearing the purple jersey? Well, the one thing about the Ravens, the one thing I agree with the way they do it, is it's a group process from the youngest guy in the room to, to Ozzy. Everybody has a voice. Everybody gets to say their piece. And it really is a situation where you go off the majority rules. So, no, no, no. Uh, Take full credit for whoever. <laughs> no, well, well, I was there. There's only a few players left from the time I was there, the four years I was there. But I was doing the West Coast when we got Haloti Nada. Um, that, that worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then I, was, I helped. You know, we, we all did a lot of different players once that year. Uh, or you know this one year, and I was a I was a big fan of Marshall Yonda, and um, he's done pretty well for himself. So those are the two guys. I at least you know I can say I, I was a small, very 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 small part of it, but um, they've got a really good roster. They've built up over the last year since I left, no question. Um, all right, let's uh, let's wrap it up uh, with a couple of things real quick here. Are you so we talk about where Andy Reid might go? Um, do you think Mike Vick ends up staying in Philly? Do you think that Andy Reid maybe uh, tries to take it run at him or use Matt Castle as uh, the placeholder and as, as they groom another QB? We, we hear he maybe goes down to Arizona. Where do you think Mike Vick lands? I I, I would have told you. Uh, two weeks ago, no chance he comes back to Philadelphia. It's not going to happen. Now, man, I'm almost inclined to say it's 50-50. Uh, I think there's a real chance he could stay there in Philadelphia. I think Chip Kelly liked him. I think they'd have to do something with his contract, rework that. Uh, but I think when Mike looks at the landscape of where he could possibly go and what's best for him, he might you know, sit and realize that this is the best spot he could be in and it could work out for both parties. So, I would not have said that two weeks ago. I do think things have changed there. Last uh, thing is we were talking about Sam Bradford trying to identify what team. I I said last to first, but uh, the Rams didn't come in last place last year. But either way, I think they're going to be a real contender, at least for a division crown, maybe not for the Super Bowl. But Sam Bradford, you know, it's funny how he is sort of in the cracks there between – um, the Flacco's and Matt Ryan's and the guys who people and you know are, are these guys ever going to win the big one? And now this new wave of QBs and Sam Bradford, nobody pays any attention to. What about these Rams and what is the story with Sam Bradford? Well, I'd like to see him get some help. You know, that, that's that's the first thing. I mean, they've got finally got some younger players there. They need to revamp, continue to revamp the offensive line. 
Um, I still don't, when I look at their roster, I just go, okay, you know, I like Amendola. He's a nice player. You know, Brian Quick, Appalachian State, uh, you yeah. know, shows some good things. But I still don't look at that and say, it's third down. Who's your guy? I mean, who, who's the big-time stud that he has to throw to? And, and, and there's this great off. I mean, you just need to give him some help. I just think it's hard to make any kind of uh, uh, prediction on where he's going to go or what his future holds until they get him some more players around him. But I do know one thing. He is very talented. You, we talked about that whole deal going to the park and watching guys throw. He, he'd be very impressive in that setting. Well, that's the point. Is that or the, what I'm getting at there? You know, it wasn't very long ago he was the clear cut number one pick. Everybody was in love with this guy, and it's funny how even though he had a good rookie season, it just sort of as though he's at, for an NFL QB. He's really under the radar for a talented guy. Are they Greg Jennings away from being a contender? Well, I mean. Yeah, that would surely help. I mean, absolutely. I mean, or you get you get Dwayne Bow with his head screwed on straight. Hmm. That, that hmm. can come in there and help too. I mean, yeah, they, they've. Uh, I, I have no question that he has it in him to to be a, a really, really, really good quarterback. But you know, a guy like that, Greg Jennings, some of these other free agents are going to pop out there, get an offensive lineman, protect them. Uh, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for Sam Bradford. I think some people gave up on him, forgot about the fact the guy was. I think he might have been the unanimous rookie of the year. Uh, yeah, so he's he's shown. Just give him a little help. All right, listen, we could go on and on and on. I have many questions for you, and hopefully, we'll catch you at some point before the combine, or maybe just after it. Um, but either way, uh, good times hanging with you down in uh, New Orleans. Met uh, I met DJ's lovely bride. Mm-hmm. I met his brother-in-law. All wonderful people. It was a it was a swell time. Uh, hanging out with you down there. And like I say, we'll catch up with you. And we can find at NFL.com this Friday his newest mock draft. You can track him at at MoveTheSticks on Twitter. Always coming up with gems, his observations, player by player. If you're one of those guys who loves following the draft, then I'm one of those guys. So it's fun to to look at what uh, DJ's thoughts are on all that stuff. Follow him. Jeremiah, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, boys. Take care. Bring that chair with you when you come down. (laughs) It's coming in pieces. I don't know if it'll stay together for the ride there, but I'll try. It's going to be even more uncomfortable for you to sit in, so keep that in mind. I can't wait to see his panel van. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I want to see, yeah. All right, so there he goes, the great Daniel Jeremiah. Thanks also to Brendan Ayan Bendejo of the World Champion Baltimore Ravens. And uh, I guess that will put a wraps on that black tie are you really – is that true that you're not in next week? You have to tune in to find out. I may or may not be in next week. We'll see. I have to tune oh, in. For, yeah. Right. yeah well, okay. How about yeah. you? How about you tune in to one of the podcasts that we're, that you actually sit behind the glass for? I would love for you to tell me your – this is maybe what, how we should wrap every podcast from here out, Rank. Yeah. Black Tie has to give us his three best highlights. Because that okay. it means you have know. to pay attention. I don't know. Ooh. We can do that. We and they have that. to, and they can't come within like let's say two minutes of totally. one another to make hey, sure man. that you're not just listening to totally. just one little stretch. Hey we man, can... I made a beat, Dieter drop, Brock. <laughs> I can't even say. <laughs> oh well, that was definitely a highlight for me. Um, another highlight was your point about Kobe. Probably mm-hmm. your most shrewd point on the DDFE ever. You. No, not your point. <laughs> Shaq's point. My uh-huh. shrewdest point ever. Yeah. All right. Um, and, uh, well, that's not was good. Great. Who was? Brendan. He was great the whole, the whole time through. So. Oh, so Jeremiah wasn't great? No, it was good. I had oh. to pick three. It's a tough job. All right. Well, saying that a guest was great who we spoke with for 20 minutes ain't exactly, ain't exactly oh, uh, great uh, picking a cherry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have a shout-out for us? 
I do. I do have a shell. Let's get What was the it. one a couple of weeks ago? I don't think we gave that enough We credit. have to get into that with everybody. I, it was actually a good one. It was, it was about the actually guy. very good, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, when you use the adverb actually, as we've discussed, it is a backhanded slap. Yes. Hey, Adam. <laughs> hey, did you hear what Rank said? He actually uh, had a funny joke there. Yeah, if you don't have the actually in there, hey, Rank has a good joke, nope. is what Rank actually has a good joke is, is demeaning I'm surprised to you. about yes, this. that's exactly what it says. All right, Black Tie, give us a new shout-out today. It's time for Black Tie shout-outs. I like to give a shout-out to, put a shout-out to, I just want to give a shout-out to you. So last week, I may or may not have been off. As well. Yes. And uh, I spent <sighs> some time with some loved ones. And here's what I did. I went to a trampoline arcade room, sort of. So basically, it's a room full of the trampolines. Yeah, I, I, I did that you know in the those. valley with my with my little yeah, boy with like Jean-Claude Sky Van Damme. Yeah, it's like something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, I was at that. Exactly. I was there. Yeah. So it's a bunch of this jumping around, people having fun, being excited. It's a great workout, by the way. Like It is surprisingly. Uh, a, oh, man. You know, like that's what they play uh, slam ball on. Yep. You know, yep, that would be... League, the mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. hyper so, basketball kind of thing. Good workout, but uh, my shout out goes to workers at Sky Zone and also amusement parks. Pretty much any place where it's supposed to be fun and leisure for the customers, because mm-hmm. you're there, you know, five days a week, and you're supposed to be happy and cherry while everyone else is having fun. And this one, this one girl who was working there, she was just sad and looked mad at the world, but yet yeah, she's surrounded by people who are just having. The grandiest times of their life, just enjoying themselves, and she just has to like be there, and like it's. If I felt bad for it, it's like well, why does she have to be stuck here? Can you well, guess? I I do appreciate people have to do that because that job is that that for me would be one of the ten worst jobs. It would get tiring too. Like, it's not tiring. It would be one of the ten worst jobs for me. If you've listened to me complain about things, what is one of my chief complaints in in the world? Men's feet, and that place stinks of feet. <laughs> you have to have your shoes off, and a lot of people. They like what was funny about it when I was there is it's it's unsafe, I guess, to wear socks because you're slippery. So they say you either keep your sneakers on, sneakers or, or you go barefoot. And way, way, way too many fellas decided mm-hmm. to go feet out. Keep no, your stinking feet away. I don't need them. Yep. I support your shout-out. Yep. Then. So to make Sky s- Zone workers and people mm-hmm. who also work in amusement parks as well. It's just You just have to be – you but have real, to keep a habit. In honor of that, I'm going to go watch Adventureland. What is that? Oh, amusement park. It's amusing, yeah, it's Shot amusing. in Pittsburgh, by the way. Yes, sir. Um, do you know, by the way, that that uh, – well, my question is about that. Yeah, I went – it was a it was a birthday party for, for Jean-Claude Van Damascheck's schoolmate. So that's why I was there. I, I, again – what were you doing there as a grown I was, man? I was having fun. It was a good workout. <laughs> it was a good workout. No, seriously, it was a place to have fun, and I was t- I was actually taken there, so to speak. And you know what? I had fun, and uh, it was a great time. I love the idea of Black Tie wearing his uh, his his one his sweatshirt with the shul- one shoulder down and his uh, leg warmers going for a workout <laughs> to bounce on a trampoline. That yeah. would be a sight to behold. Yeah, it was, hey, if you're in the L.A. area, check it out. It's a good time. Um. All right. So that's that. Then good shout out there, Black Tie. Have a great vacation. You have certainly I'm, earned it. You may you, or may not be. You have to tune R and teaser. Black Tie needs it. We'll see who comes off the tie rack to get behind the glass and fill his shoes. Oh, I heard. Put it up for uh, a by vote. the way, I heard they battle to be up here in the studio when I'm not here. Why can't we have it put up to a vote? It's a straight battle. 
All right, you know what? I love where Rank's head is. Let's do that. Make that the poll question for next week. Who do you want to hear from the tie rack? Do you want that might Wilk? get uncomfortable, guys? Do you want Wilk tie, I... blue tie, or tie tie? Right, that might get uncomfortable. Schedule. I don't. You made me go. Schedules on... coming to play. That you... might get uncomfortable. So I'm sorry. I'm going to have to shut it down right now. You don't I... shut anything no, down. Well, then we'll do it, it on Twitter. It doesn't matter. You <laughs> guys, shut it down. you guys made me do a, a, a an election on NFL Fantasy Live going up against Akbar. A former NFL player. You mean you, you guys, didn't do that on your own? You mean that wasn't for real? They they put it out there, and people voted on it. Black tie. I'm. Uh, what'd you say? You're pulling the plug on it. I'm shutting it down. Shut it I'm down. Shut, shut it down. I'm shut shutting it down. down this conversation. Shut and, it down. Uh, I'm shutting down the podcast for the week. We will be back with more hooey and applesauce next week. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football Wait, fans. ATL what? Debate Club coming up. Oh, yeah, we got the AT. I always forget about them. There, here you go. I'm sorry, Flames fan club of the uh, Around the League Debate Club. Here are your two heroes, Dan Hanzus and Mark Sessler. Take it away, boys. Hanzus and Mr. Fancy Pants. The Flames need NFL news, and here's their chance. It's ATL Around the League. Light of flame, boys. Pick skins hot tonight. Burn, baby, burn. Thanks, Dave. Welcome back to another edition of the ATL Debate Club. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as always, by a man who demanded a middle seat and a glass of Chardonnay on the charter flight home, Mark Sessler. Well, that, hold on. Yeah. I think I was compliantly, I show up, we're on Southwest, you and Damashek. Yeah. One of you's taken the window, Dave. Dave, yeah. Dan has taken the aisle. Right. So how am I demanding a middle seat? I guess it just kind of worked out that way. This is how you're perceiving certain situations. Well, Southwest is that weird airline where there are no assigned seats. And uh, they went by alphabetical order. Yeah. So you kind of got burned. I got killed. Um, in no general, comment on the Chardonnay. <laughs> sitting in the middle is not, is not fun. I remember... Um, Back in high school, uh, me and my core group of friends, there was five of us, uh, and we had one car. It was my buddy Bob's 1989 Buick LeSabre. And, okay. you know, the the holy grail, obviously, was shotgun, okay? And we had this whole system whereby, and I, I know other friends have this, but I feel like ours was a little more elaborate. You know, when we got outside, uh, when you could see the car is when you could call shotgun, and then whoever called it out got shotgun. But we had a different level, too, because there were five of us. Um, in, in, retrospect, in, in retrospect, our group of friends would have been much better at four, but it was five. So any trip we went, because in high school you go everywhere <laughs> with your guy friends. Right. Like, it's just ridiculous. Every trip, you know, someone was going to get the middle seat, which we called the witch, which is not the witch. It, was a, it rhymed yes, with witch, okay? Yes, fair. So if you call, you, there were two strategies. You could go for gun, which was the, you know, glamour spot, or you could get a little conservative and call no witch. And if you call no witch, then that that assures you one of the two seats in the back by windows. I like that strategy. So if you went for gun, right, and three people shouted out gun and you didn't win that and somebody went straight for no witch, that means you were probably – banged and you're sitting in the middle seat back seat middle feet on the hump type I mean, is, situation. are there any of these uh group of five friends that occasionally wanted to sit which 
just to be closer to the companions that they've, you know. They nobody, know. nobody no, not, wanted to. Not. We even drove, we grew up in New York, a town north of uh, New York City, and we would drive down to, you know, um, the Jersey Shore, like way down on the Jer- Jersey Shore once we went down to Maryland. And, you know, one trip we went in a Toyota Camry when the LeSabre was in the shop. I mean, these are not large cars. No. <laughs> anyway. Hold on, though. Yeah. One question about that. Let's say you jump out, you guys go into 7-Eleven or whatever it is yeah. you have in your part of New York. I mean, That's a great question. Every time you jump in and out of a convenience store, quick stop, does the whole process restart? It depended. If it was a big trip, if it was a group trip to a destination, the rules of the seating arrangement remain the same. If you were driving around Pearl River, puttering, puttering around the town, uh, all bets were off. So I remember being in Gun and somebody would be like, oh, let's go to 7-Eleven or something like that. And in my mind, I'd be like, oh, no. Got to refight this battle. It was actually part of the strategy as well. If you were in Witch, you would all of a sudden be way open to little stop-offs here sure. and there. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get <laughs> – Very strange. That was a strange little path. But let's get back to the path uh, from New Orleans where we were just at. Uh, what, what are your takeaways from the Crescent City? I, you know, it. Uh, I have mixed feelings. Is that fair? Because I okay. think I came back from Indianapolis a year ago. That town did everything it could to just completely blow you away in terms of you thought they're going to do something very small. They did a fantastic job, almost errorless. There were no right. glaring issues. New Orleans, and I think I said this to you a few times during the trip, I don't think that they... The Super Bowl does not need to happen for that city to have life. So much stuff is happening outside of it that I don't think New Orleans said this is the only, you know, the only jewel we have to offer. And for me, there were aspects of the trip that were troublesome mixed with absolute greatness. I've given you no specifics. No, I agree. <laughs> and maybe it's best not to get in specifics, but we did uh both you and I and Damashek and Handsome Hank and uh Justin Hathaway, our uh, senior news editor, and a group of others, uh, we enjoyed the nightlife and the bars and Bourbon Street and especially Frenchman Street, which has you know tremendous uh, jazz music and kind of a great scene, which I personally, and I know you agree, uh, enjoyed better than the Bourbon Street, which is more fratty in that sense. Um, now, what I, what I will say is I had, I had an issue with the Superdome, which... You know, I know it has it, it has history, both um, in terms of when it was built back in, I think, the early 70s. And, of course, it has major uh, cultural history because of what happened with Katrina. Uh, but, you know, if you really want to get down to it, especially after we were at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy, Superdome's kind of a dump. I mean, would you say that's fair? Well, it's an old stadium, and I feel like, you know, it seems like it's a snag, or it should be in part of the conversation of, Hey, listen, New Orleans, everyone says automatic bid should be Super Bowl every three years, if not every other year. The Superdome is an issue that needs to be addressed in the sense that I think our experience there as journalists, right. or if you want to call us that, uh, was spotty. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing is is that Mark and I, um, maybe we're grumps, and that's probably right, but even before the blackout happened, we had had our issues with the Superdome. We had been there the Tuesday before the game for media day, where we were led all around by a staff um, that seemingly had no idea. Like, they, it was their first time in the building as well. But they were very confident about where they would send you. They'd be like, oh, Sugar, you go down the right side and then go down those stairs and you'll be good. And then we go down to the right side. We hit the stairs and someone stops us and is like, 
no, you can't go here. You got to go back that way. It was like all that kind of frustration. And then when we get to Super Bowl Sunday, I remember in Indy there was, you know, 400 uh, dog sniffing or 400 bomb sniffing dogs uh, on the premises. Here there was just a woman with like a, a wooden spoon ladle that checked the front of my Jansport and was like, go on in. See, I don't mind the low level security. You don't. No, I mean, You're a fearless man. Not, for, for me, that was one of the few things that came easy. I do agree, though, that there were times where they you know, very confidently would say, listen, sir, you need to take a right, go down that stairwell, and then curve around to the doorway. You'd curve around, there'd be a blank wall. And right. It was like uh, no one was on the same page, and we tried to make this rush after the Super Bowl from the, you know, the press box we were in down to the locker room, right. actually down to the field, right? We, where did we go? We entered into a labyrinth. I'm not sure what happened. We had to actually sneak through a curtain right. onto the field. But the fact that we were able to do that was questionable. The best was when we, we got down into this um, underground labyrinth area. And I was like, oh, I think we can, get part, part, uh, we can get through this part of the curtain. And I pulled it open and put my head out. And then I couldn't get the rest of my body out. And then, <laughs> like, seven security guards on the other side were, like, turned and looked at me. And I was like, oh, God. And then I had to pull out, and then we ran down and then got on the field. Well, we go down fit maybe 15 more yards. Right. Go through the same area, same security guards, looking the other way. Right. And you know what? About 3.30 in the morning, I think, we were down in the lobby after the game. And we actually ran into uh, Jeff Darlington, uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, and – we were all sitting together having an Abita, which is the New Orleans beer of choice down yes. there. And uh, Jeff put it best. Uh, you know, we were talking about some issue we had, and he's like, oh, well, these are first-class problems. And you they know? are, because we had a fantastic time. I mean, it was really an amazing week, but I'm still kind of – let me tell you one other thing, though. This did stick out to me. Uh-oh. Beignets. Not sure where they are. Mm-hmm. Everyone acting like they had checked something off some giant – human bucket list by yeah. eating one of these. I still am not sure what they are. I don't care. Never had one. Never will. Now that I missed the opportunity. Cafe Duman. Uh, you know, I don't feel like I missed it. Let's move on to the second topic today. I watched after I got back from New Orleans on, on Monday. I got I got on my couch and uh, I watched the season finale of 30 Rock, which, um, you know, I have to hand it to them. It was their seventh season uh, and they went out strong. And I thought that, you know, that's not easy to do, you know, in not TV. Seven in, no. Not when you're, you know, 150 episodes in to be able to go out, not just with your dignity intact, but also actually to put together really good television. Um, that kind of got me thinking, you know, having just got back from the Super Bowl, kind of similar to what Ray Lewis was able to do. Um, you know, he didn't play extremely well in the Super Bowl, but on balance in the playoffs, he was a productive player. And, you know, after a long career, the guy was able to go out on top and there will be no um, period you have to forget of his career. The way you can say about many other athletes, Joe Namath is one that jumps to mind for me, but there are so many others uh, along the line. Um, Then there is the other end of the spectrum, uh, because after I watched 30 Rock, I decided, let me just go through this DVR and I watched the most recent episode of The Office, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah, which was, which is also in its final season after a long run. I think this is the eighth year of The Office. And it's a show that is really stumbling to a close. And it's kind of sad to watch. And it's it, to me, it, it's interesting how um, pop culture, but television in particular and sports are both the same in that sense, where 
a lot of you want to see the the great things end great, but more more often than not, they don't end well, and you have to kind of you know get past that when you look back at both The Office, which was at its height one of the great sitcoms of its generation, right? And you know we had said the pa- earlier a couple months ago we had said The Patriots were a good analogy to The Office because it's hard to watch them now without. Uh, thinking how good they used to be in their peak back in the right right you know. but now i was thinking about it today i don't think that's fair to the patriots who have be- still been an excellent team just not a great playoff team but the office has kind of gone off the ledge don't you think well it's hard to watch i mean we we've discussed this a few times i think it's because we loved it so much and when it was when it reached its high point roughly let's say 2007 2008 area it really was some of the best, for me, one of my favorite shows on television and maybe one of my favorite shows of all time. And now it's like my wife and I will sit down and watch it. And we, you know, it's almost out of, out of a labor we do it, out of, out of redundancy. But it's, it's hard to, uh, to feel like the show's innovative or going somewhere new. It's not creating new ground. Right. And I think uh, a better connection to, than the Patriots might be a guy that's a former Patriot and just played in the Super Bowl with the Niners, which is Randy Moss who was a all-time great player, and now he's really a shadow of his former self. He's still out there. I mean, he's coming off a game in the Super Bowl. He virtually had no impact. He even got criticized um, for alligator arms on a Kaepernick interception, which I can um, you know, draw a straight line to the boom mic guy in the last episode of The Office um, attacking the dock worker that was going after Pam, like, you know, these really kind of cringeworthy moments for a formerly great entity. You know what I'm saying? You could argue they've both taken a season off. If right. Not more. And like the office, Moss won't get a do over here. You know what I mean? No. I mean, he's, he wants to come back. I can't imagine, you know, a lot of teams knocking down the doors for a 36 year old receiver with really not much left in the tank at this point. So it's kind of sad. I mean, uh, as somebody, both of us were both around the same age, and we saw Moss explode on the scene and be like just a star player, um, and now you see what he is now, it, it is real. And I think that's the point, is that if there's any disappointment with the way Moss, if this is the end, how he's gone out, uh, you know, he was on a Super Bowl team, but individually it certainly was a standout season. It's because of how good he was. Right. We're not talking about an average. We're, we're like comparing. I, I was thinking along these lines, like Elway – 30 Rock goes out with a couple of Super Bowl hmm. titles. Then I, like I look that. at someone like Favre because it's like, okay, you know, you kept coming back, but you became laborious by the end. Right. You became a bit of a sideshow. And there are those parallels in sports. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to peg them because part of, we're talking about two great shows here. One of them sustained. One has not. You wonder if around the league uh, and writers Mark Sessler and Dan Hansis have the same fate headed our way. Well, I think one of us, potentially myself, would be the one that goes right to the end with consistent work. Right. I could see you just spinning off the edge into something very strange. That's funny because I see you more like a Toby-like character from The Office, so, and I'm more like an Alec Baldwin. Well, no, so. I, don't, I find that to be a very disturbing parallel, <laughs> which maybe suggests you're not good at drawing parallels to begin with. You know what? On that note, I am on my off day. I'm going to go to the diner down the street where there's a, a, you know, very good service and great food, you will go downstairs and write more around the league copy. Okay, you've won that point. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening. We will be back next week uh, with more nonsense.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.